Welcome to The Lab. What's going on, all you brainiacs out there? And welcome back to yet another episode of the Fantasy Football Laboratory. I am your temporary host, Spitfire Lucas Parrish, joined as always by the King of Trades, Shane Palma. What's going on? And the chemist, Jack McGrath. Lucas, how are we doing today? I'm going to be honest, that felt kind of weird, Shane. Every time I host, you're not you're not on the podcast, but I'm hosting today. Your voice, it's it's not doing too well. Uh, allergies are yeah. kicking my butt uh, the past few days. So got a little bit of a sore throat trying to keep it calm, cool, collective on this end. But you hosted last Wednesday, so I trust you enough now. That intro was good, so we'll see. It's promising for the rest of the episode. I appreciate it, and, and I hope that I can maintain on your good side, Shane. You do such a good job hosting this podcast. I uh, don't want to don't want to screw it up uh, when I'm when I'm off here doing it doing it kind of on a temporary basis. Jack, you're the one who who tends to be on the other side of me hosting. What are what are your thoughts? I mean, yeah, so far so good. You haven't had a whole lot to mess <laughs> up yet. You and Shane are just I don't know. You guys are hyping each other up here. Let's get to some fantasy football. Jeez, Louise. All right, fine, fine. We can get to some fantasy football. We have a lot to talk about today. A lot of things going on, and I think this week with mandatory mini camps starting up, but I think it's highlighted with Deshaun Watson wanting to go to Denver. Now, actually, maybe I shouldn't say it's highlighted with that because what are the odds that that actually happens? Like, what is Deshaun Watson's trade value right now? No, I saw I saw that on our outline, and I gave it a big who cares. Like, see, I, he's he's not in a powerful position here. He's, he's no longer in the powerful position. It doesn't matter where Deshaun Watson wants to to go there's a chance he doesn't play next season there's a chance he's on the commissioner's exempt list there's a chance he doesn't play next season contractual things Deshaun Watson has zero say in where he's going to wind up if he's going to play next year or where he's going to play next year there's too much stuff to sort through right now him wanting to go to Denver is on the least of the list of things to be concerned about with Deshaun Watson and the Texans well listen today uh, I saw that Kareem Jackson, one of his former teammates, was on a podcast with Aqib Tlaib, and they were talking about uh, Watson and, the, and not really hitting on the situation at hand that's bigger than football right now, but more on the subject of football. They were talking about where do we think Deshaun Watson would play next year, and Jackson, uh, being on the Broncos, said that Watson reached out to him and said that he wants to be a Denver Bronco. So, I mean, I guess, you know, Julio Jones went on air that one time and said he didn't want to be an Atlanta Falcon, and that came true. So, again, yeah, uh, his trade value is not very high right now. It's it's probably at the lowest that it's going to be in his entire career, to be honest. And uh, it's up to the Texans whether or not they hold on to him uh, throughout this whole situation, which would make sense because, honestly, what are you going to get if you're the Texans right now? Uh, but I, I still wholeheartedly believe – I think there's a chance he could play next season, but there is not a chance in heck that he is starting or plays a single snap for the Texans next season. There's no, no and, one. and I agree. So, you know, talking about speculation, which is something we like to do a lot. I don't think it's worth speculating what Deshaun Watson would bring to Denver. We've done that enough with Aaron Rodgers. Scope position players would be better, but I don't think there's enough of a chance of that happening to even speculate. And it's not even like we're speculating what would happen if Deshaun Watson doesn't play in Houston. We don't think that's a speculation. And I'm with you, Shane. He's not going to be playing. He will not be the starting quarterback for the Houston Texans at the start of next year. That will almost certainly be Tyrod Taylor. I think it'll be Taylor. And I think by by a certain point when the Texans are 0-6, 0-7, I think Davis Mills will be starting for the rest of the season. 
Yep, that's it's probably how it's going to go. They have a bad defense. They have a bad offense. Tyrod Taylor's a mediocre quarterback at best, probably more of a low-end starter, high-end backup. Um, so chances are that he will not be doing too terribly much for the Texans. First overall pick, though, are they going to end up with who's the quarterback at a UNC, Sam Howell? Sam Howell, yeah. There, There's, you know, I, I've seen multiple posts. Uh, I think Pro Football Focus put one thing out highlighting the top players at each position. Sam Howell was their number one guy. I don't know too much. Uh, I mean, Lucas, you're the draft guy here. I know you probably haven't started looking at next year's <laughs> class or anything like that uh, as of yet. But, yes, yeah, Sam Howell, I've, I've seen he's projected to be the number one quarterback, but I've heard the class isn't very strong in its own we gonna, right. Yeah, it's nowhere near as strong as last year. But, but are we going to start hearing some sink for Sam chants, some – hammer into the ground for Howell, you know, some, uh, some, I, that one might've been a little bit of a, that was suck, a for, yeah. suck for Sam was the, uh, was the campaign for Sam Darnold when, when the jets were, were projected to get him and then got him. Uh, and then it just never ended up working out. I have a Snapchat post. I remember putting it up on my page, uh, when we got Sam Darnold and I said, the suck for Sam campaign has, uh, come full circle and then three years later I got a reminder of that day <laughs> when he was already on the Carolina Panthers so it did not matter whatsoever but hopefully if listen if they take Sam Howell maybe it'll work out better for them than Sam Darnold did for the Jets yeah absolutely you're right I have not looked too much at, at players because you know what I care about most is really the season that they haven't played yet um but Sam Howell is the, the number one guy that I've seen so who knows maybe he'll, he'll end up on the Texans next year or wherever the Texans will be bad. I think that's the one thing that we can say is Deshaun Watson will not play for the Houston Texans and the Texans will be bad. Um, even if Deshaun Watson plays for the Houston Texans, the Texans will be bad. So I, I think yet, yet still CBS sports has their one win coming against the jets later on in the season. Cause why not? Cause everyone yeah. hates the jets. Why you not well. win against the jets? You might as well. I, I mean, you know, if, if I'm going to give them a win, the Jets would, would probably be up there on, on teams that they'd upset. What they should have done, CBS Sports should have done something super outlandish that they'd go one in 15 and have them beating like the uh, have them beating like the Steelers or something. It's something super funny. So That's what they, that is something CBS would do. That would be really funny. Excellent. Well, moving on now from Deshaun Watson wanting to go to Denver, which almost certainly won't happen. Some actual mandatory minicamp news. Calvin Ridley undergoing a minor foot surgery, minor being the key word. He should be good for training camp, but it's still a foot surgery. It's still a procedure where a doctor cuts into his skin. Is there any concern on your guys' end that this could lead to, to something more? Thank you for explaining what a surgery is. Luke. I've, been at your, I've been at your throat today, but no, um, I'm not very concerned at this point. There's a few reasons I'm not concerned. First off, uh, with this offense, I want to say the Falcons are still in win-now mode. I don't want to think that they're in a rebuild mode yet. They're kind of in no man's land right now. But let's say they're still in win-now mode, right? So he's good for training camp. They're in win-now mode. They trade away Julio Jones, and then Calvin Ridley isn't the same Calvin Ridley. Then if they know that going in, that he might not be the same Calvin Ridley, they just traded They just screwed up their whole receiving core. Like, their receiving core went from one of the best in the league to one of the worst in the league, and that they're not going to do that. So – I think because he's going to be good for training camp, he's going to have a full training camp to get his rest, to work it out, to make sure he's feeling comfortable on his foot and he'll take some snaps off and sit in training camp if he needs to. And then we know that they have confidence in the receiving core as it stands right now. Well, Kyle Pitts, Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage are the top three there in terms of catching passes. I think they're going to be absolutely fine. Let's Shane, let me, let's let me throw this one to you. Let's say yeah. 
the worst possible scenario happens. Let's say Calvin Ridley has this foot surgery. The doctor screwed up while doing the surgery and really screwed something up. And Calvin Ridley is out for a significant chunk of the season. What does that do for the value of other Falcons players? Uh, Typically, uh, oh, can you guys oh. still hear me? Yeah, we got you. Everything now good? we can. We heard your internet oh. connection is unstable like a robot, but we've got you now. <laughs> All right. Great. Uh, no, if, God forbid that was the worst scenario with Calvin Ridley. I mean, I think the biggest thing to look at is then Russell Gage in my book is a, is a seventh round pick, seventh or eighth round pick, maybe even higher than that. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw Andy. Sunday, Monday, I think, uh, he, he looked at Russell Gage's numbers. Fro- Am I frozen? You're making a face, Lucas. You're you're not not frozen. Interesting. So I'm not frozen. You're you're yes. like kind of fro. You're like half frozen. You're like kind of. It's like you're stuck in the snow right now. So you're moving very slowly, and you're about to be frozen, but you're not a complete icicle yet. Yeah, yeah. Like you you're still like alive. Your limbs are still moving, but barely. How about now? Have I made it out of the snow? A little bit, yeah. That you're, was kind of there. Keep going. I'm here. I'm here. Did you hear about Andy Holloway, fantasy footballers? He tweeted something out on Monday. Did we get yes. that? We got that yes. part. We don't know what he tweeted, though. Okay. Well, he was tweeting about Russell Gage and what Russell Gage did after the bye for the Falcons last week. And one of the biggest things that he was hitting on is that if that bye week was a continuation of a full season, Gage would have been on pace for 140 targets, 90 receptions, eight touchdowns, and over a thousand receiving yards. So I think Russell Gage right now, his ADP is in round 14. He needs to be drafted way higher than that. I think honestly, right now he's a 10th or 11th round pick. And if something were happened to Ridley, I think he bumps up all the way to the sixth, seventh, eighth round. I think that if you took him in the eighth or ninth round, I wouldn't be that upset. Like Russell Gage is, is the new Josh Reynolds is what I'm saying, except better than Josh Reynolds, right? Josh Reynolds, you were taking a shot on. Russell Gage, we know what he can do when he's given some targets, when he's given a little bit of the workload. Now he's going to have a full season of having that workload. We know as a number two receiver, Russell Gage can be good. We saw a lot of it last season with Calvin Ridley being the number one with Julio Hurt for half the season. Russell Gage stepped in there. Russell Gage did a great job. They also have Kyle Pitts now. Matt Ryan's throwing that ball. We can have three fantasy relevant receivers on that team. No question. Yeah. And, and, you know, if something were to happen to Calvin Ridley, like you said, and, you know, it's not just the Russell Gage. So then Kyle Pitts, I, I can't fathom putting Kyle Pitts ever above the big three at tight end at this moment. But I mean, I would solidify him as the fourth tight end for sure off the board. And I, I think he legitimately has a chance then to finish as the number one tight end operating as the number one receiving option in that Falcons pass first offense. Yep, I agree with you. I love TJ Hawkinson for the season. I, I really do. And it would hurt for me to put a rookie over TJ Hawkinson. But the thing is, and I talk about this, about how rookie tight ends just don't have success. Kyle Pitts isn't a tight end. Kyle Pitts is a six foot six, 220 pound wide receiver, right? And that's kind of how you have to look at him. If, if, or if Calvin Ridley is for whatever reason, not good to go for this season, you're absolutely right. Kyle Pitts moves above TJ Hawkinson, the upside would just be insane. Jack, I know that you're a huge fan of Kyle Pitts. Would you even consider putting him above any of those top three? 
It depends. If Trey Lance is the starter in San Francisco and we're not confident in him throwing the ball as we progress into the season, then he might jump above Kittle for me. I mean, Kittle right now is my third tight end uh, below Waller and below um, and below Travis Kelsey. And Kyle Pitts is my fourth. And hypothetically, if Kyle Pitts is the number one target and Trey Lance is throwing the ball to George Kittle, that leaves a whole lot of question marks in San Francisco, and it doesn't really leave a whole lot of question marks in Atlanta for Kyle Pitts. So I'm kind of loving that as my third best tight end. I think you'll get a great value for him. I don't know where he'd go at that point. I think we're probably thinking fifth-ish, sixth-ish round, and Kittle will probably still go as the number three tight end. But realistically, in terms of value, that's going to be a fantastic pick for Kyle Pitts. Shane? Uh, you know, I... I... It, it's tough. I still have Kittle as, as my tight end too. And I really don't want to move him out of that spot, but I am getting closer and closer to having Jack's rankings very similar to mine where I do have Waller second. I, I just think Waller's ability to do everything on the field is exactly what you want. And what we've seen out of George Kittle the past few seasons uh, is, you know, at least as last season, especially was the injury concerns. I, I'm not factoring that wholeheartedly into my rankings right now. I still think in that 49ers offense, especially with Garoppolo under center, I think George Kittle's the clear-cut number one option, go-to guy for that team. Uh, but you could say the same thing about Derek Carr and the Raiders, and I think Derek Carr is a 10 times better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo, and wouldn't you want a 10 times better quarterback throwing the ball to their number one receiving option, which would be Darren Waller? So if you bump that down to Trey Lance instead of Jimmy Garoppolo, who not only is he a rookie, but hasn't, I mean, who knows if he would even be, uh, if George Kittle would be that number one option then, because, you know, you never know. I, I know the, the relationship with Garoppolo and Kittle is very strong and, and we've seen it on the field so many times, especially off the field too, uh, that relationship that they have. So right now, as it stands, I'm going to keep Kittle where he is, but if, if Trey Lance is starting there, I mean, the lowest I can move him is three. I still, I still think that I would have Pitts at four. I can't, I, I seriously can't move Pitts into my top three right now. I will say this as if Trey Lance is the starting quarterback, I probably would move Kittle below Darren Waller, but I think we're having a really short-term memory on George Kittle. George Kittle before this past season was insane, like legitimately insane, like compared to Travis Kelsey, insane, better than Darren Waller was two seasons ago. Kittle was the number two tight end, clearly the number two tight end. And Waller was really good. Don't get me wrong. Kittle was better. I think that if we go back to to where we were at that point, Jimmy Garoppolo under center, you've got George Kittle there being the number one pass catcher for 16 games. I think that I don't know if I want to say it would be a huge mistake to take Darren Waller above George Kittle. You're getting a really freaking good tight end either way. But I think George Kittle would be the clear number two there. And while I do have Kittle above Waller in my rankings, I'm more inclined to take Darren Waller because he goes over a round and a half later than Kittle. And the value that you have there in the second round, you still have those running backs like Joe Mixon, like Najee Harris, like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and the receiving options like Justin Jefferson and like Michael Thomas, I can't see myself passing up on those guys to take George Kittle, not knowing what's going to be there a round and a half later when I know that Darren, especially uh, forget us because, you know, we value tight ends much more than the average fantasy player. Darren Waller is most likely going to be there in the middle to end of your third round as of right now. Uh, and, And that's way better than the ADP that George Kittle has at 23 overall in Yahoo, at least. Yep. You're right. You're, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, George Kittle at the end of the second round, I still think is a steal, but Darren Waller in the fourth is like unfathomable. 
you are completely right. Uh, Darren Waller is probably the best value of the draft right now. No, I mean, I'm with you on that one. I'm just looking at George Kittle's game logs right now. And the stats in between Darren Waller's 2020 season and then you look at George Kittle's 2019 season. Now, George Kittle played less games in 2019. He was injured for two games once again. Darren Waller played a full 16 games. But if you look at reception numbers, you look at yardage numbers, you look at touchdown numbers. I mean, Darren Waller last season was a better tight end fantasy-wise than George Kittle was in 2019. And we're talking about George Kittle's peak in 2019. We're talking about Darren Waller's peak last year. Realistically, they're similar peaks, and I understand Kittle was the second-best tight end two years ago. Well, Darren Waller was that last year. So it's I, I agree with you guys, and I, I think it's just it's so tough a call, but I'm going to take Waller above him every single it's time. It's close. It's close, and where you can get Waller definitely makes it better. Lucas, I know I'm not the host, and I don't want to totally derail your plans for the show. Derail since, it, Shane. Since we're talking about tight ends, this is something I wanted to get into because it's something that I tweeted about earlier today. Uh, I want to talk about Aaron Rodgers and that whole situation of him no showing mini camps. And obviously, he's a veteran. He's a pro. He's a form, he's a reigning MVP. He doesn't need to do all that stuff. He's losing ninety three thousand dollars a day. But does he really care? I highly doubt that he does. Here's the thing, and I, this is a very legitimate question: If you're the Denver Broncos, would you rather have Deshaun Watson or Aaron Rodgers? Rodgers. Rodgers. Right Easy. now, no question. Easy. Yeah, Easy. no question right now. I don't care about the youth right now with Deshaun Watson. I don't care about the potential. If Deshaun Watson's in jail, it won't matter, right? Like, it, it's it's that simple. Aaron Rodgers is, sure, he's he's nearing the end of his career. But really, what does that mean? What is he, 38 years old now? Tom Brady won a Super Bowl at the age of 43. Why can't Aaron Rodgers do the same thing? You know, I mean, you, get, you trade for Aaron Rodgers, you'd have to give up a ton. They did, you know, they gave, they paid Peyton Manning a lot at the end of his career. He brought him to two Super Bowls, gave him one ring. If Aaron Rodgers even gives them one ring, it would be worth it, right? It'd be worth it for everyone in Denver. And so, you know, at this point, I'm not taking the risk with Deshaun Watson. I'd rather have Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's the only reason I was asking that question is because with, with Watson's, you know, whatever determination, whatever you want to call it, well, willingness to go to Denver instead of stay in Houston – if Denver were to land Deshaun Watson and all this stuff outside of football just kind of resolves itself somehow, goes away, fades away, and he's able to play football again next season, where does Rodgers go? Because I still don't think, and we're, we're going to get to Jordan Love in a little bit, I don't think that Rodgers is going to play for the Packers next year either. And in my mind, the only other destination that he can go, the second the highest the second highest odds right now in the books in Vegas is the Raiders. Imagine the AFC West. Imagine the AFC West. Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, and Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert would be four out of four on that list right now. And, like, in, on what list should Justin Herbert ever be lasting, even right now, going into the, his second year in the NFL? It's, it's crazy to think about. But if that were to be the case, and we've talked about the speculation of Rodgers and stuff to the Raiders and what that could mean for the, the wide receiver room, the, the running back room, all that stuff, Darren Waller's ADP – while I think he should be a first-round pick, true and true, I really do, I think that the max he would be is where George Kittle's being drafted. I think that's the highest you'd see him pulled up the board, and I think that's an absolute steal, honestly. Yep. And cool. and I, I would probably, if I'm going to be honest, we've talked about it in the past, I might consider having Waller then if Rodgers lands in Vegas as my tight end one. Really. I mean, who else is there? It's Travis Kelsey. And, you know, you can't make the argument that Waller will have a better 
uh, quarterback than Kelsey, but you can make the argument that he's a little bit younger. That being said, that's not even, that's not even the argument. It's, it's the targets available. Obviously Mahomes has Tyree kill and Travis Kelsey, but Travis Kelsey's the guy. Travis Kelsey is the absolute man there. Yeah. Darren Waller and Henry Ruggs, John Brown. Like who do you, who else do you want to throw out that Brian Edwards, who else you want to throw out there for Rogers to have an immediate impact as soon as he gets to that team. It's going to be Darren Waller. Yep. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. But, you know, this is a great segue, Shane. So I do appreciate you taking over there to talk about Aaron Rodgers and what's going on there in the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers is a no-show at camp. Not surprising, right? I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to play for the Packers this year if he stays with them. I, I really don't. Jordan Love, though, has had an up-and-down first couple days. Yesterday, there were reports saying Jordan Love looked bad. Jordan Love, in his first attempt of a two-minute drill, didn't even make it to midfield, right? First or barely attempt. got to midfield. First attempt. He showed out today. Yeah, but today, he showed out. He had, uh, what, that that one tweet where he they talked about him completing four deep passes in a row in 11-on-11, which, like, yardage-wise, added up to, like, 130 yards, so I'm not totally sure how that was possible. But one of those plays was a 30-yard wheel route to A.J. Dillon, which was, A, a perfect ball by Jordan Love, B, a great grab by A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon being used a little bit in the past game. I, I, I won't start here. I'll, I'll let one of you guys start here. Jack, I know you're just as high on Aaron Jones as me. Does that concern you at all? Does that make you think twice about Aaron Jones' value? I know especially you like A.J. Dillon. Yeah, I do like A.J. Dillon. So you look at, look at the situation in Green Bay, right? So let's, let's play this out. So Aaron Jones, we weren't thinking was going to come back this year because A.J. Dillon was drafted last year in the second round. So we're thinking, okay, He's this running back of the future in Green Bay. But apparently that wasn't the case because they signed Aaron Jones back to a big contract. Aaron Jones is obviously a valuable enough running back where that happens. Jamal Williams is the other guy in that backfield last year. Takes a majority of the receptions. Huge receiving back, has standalone value. He's about an 8, 9, 10-point-a-game guy in PPR scoring where he's going to put you up solid numbers. He's never going to have a big game unless Aaron Jones goes down, but he'll put you up solid numbers week to week. And then A.J. Dillon is basically just stepping into that role at this point because he's not going to be the bell cow back with Aaron Jones there on that big contract, but he needs to get touches because he's a second-round pick, and you don't waste the second-round pick on a guy who's never going to get touches. So you put A.J. Dillon in there, you throw him in the backfield, and you hope he catches some balls, which he's going to do. I think he's going to fit right into that Jamal Williams role from last year. He's going to have his same carries that he did last year, plus Jamal Williams carries. It does not hurt Aaron Jones. Well, maybe slightly because we were thinking, oh, Aaron Jones will take some of those carries, but I really don't think it's all that much. And Aaron Jones last year was another top five running back. Again, he's been that way for the past two years. He's going to get in the end zone. The offense might not be as good, but I'm absolutely fine. I think they both stick, and I'm liking A.J. Dillon a lot more. Look, I fully agree. A.J. Dillon, yeah, sure, he'll be used a little bit in the pass game. Aaron Jones, though, is a proven pass catcher on the field. He will be used more in the pass game. You're right, Jack. A.J. Dillon will get all of Jamal Williams' catch carries and all of the carries that he had last year. The backup running back in Green Bay will have more carries than Jamal Williams did last year. Aaron Jones is still going to have more receptions than he did last year because A.J. Dillon will not, even though he will probably be used a little bit. I don't want to sit here and say A.J. Dillon will never be on the field for a third down pass. He almost certainly will be, right? But it won't be as much as Jamal Williams was because that's just not his area of expertise. Still sticking with that Green Bay Packers stuff. Shane, I'll throw this one to you. If Jordan Love is the starting quarterback there week one, where is he in your rankings? And is it above or below your top rookie quarterback? 
I want to talk. I, I need to talk about the running backs. I really okay, want to fine. talk about AJ Dillon because you guys were talking about Aaron Jones. I think AJ Dillon will see a boost and spike in my rankings after what I'm hearing right now. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go crazy. I'm not gonna go crazy. What about all. Aaron Jones? What well, my concern is: Are you dropping Aaron Jones? No, no. I just think AJ Dillon deserves a little bit more love. One of the things, love, get it? Haha. <laughs> One of the things that Love was doing today was favoring the checkdown passes. I, I want to see more of that. I, I do because I think. If he's going to do that, I know we don't think that A.J. Dillon is this fantastic. He's not a Christian McCaffrey. He's not a receiving back. But like what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did, if they tried to make Leonard Fournette like they do A.J. Dillon with the Packers into that receiving back, that's going to help his value. And right now he's being drafted in the 12th round. He has an ADP in Yahoo at 108. If you decide to punt the running back position uh, or, or you just are looking for a guy later on that could have some standalone value, I'd be comfortable in some situations like Tony Pollard plugging in AJ Dillon some weeks and trying to steal him away from the Aaron Jones owner. I think that's the biggest thing is if you could do something like that, not only grab yourself a running back that will have that standalone value, but screw over the opposing manager in your league that took Aaron Jones. You got yourself a win-win right there, especially where you don't have to reach too much. Uh, But when it comes to Jordan Love, and that's the conversation at hand right now, if he were to be the starter week one, Uh, I think the biggest concern I would have is his lack of experience. Of course, he's, he would be a rookie next year. And and when it comes to the, well, no, he he wouldn't, he would be. And I think there's a distinction. He did not play a snap last season. You know, who didn't play a snap his rookie season, Patrick Mahomes, you know what he did? He won the MVP his next year. Jordan love going into the draft was touted as some. Mahomes played week 17. I'm almost positive of it. Oh, you're right. You're right. I apologize. He did play. You're right. He played week 17. He had, I, I, I think, watched that game. He had zero touchdown passes, one interception, and 284 yards. So he was not impressive at all. They did win. The Chiefs did win, but it was not the most impressive showing of all time. Yeah, but 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 my point stands. He'd be a rookie okay. next season. So Jordan Love is a rookie next season compared to the other rookie running uh, quarterbacks that I currently have in my rankings. The highest, I can I can pull it up right now, the highest quarterback. Uh, that's a rookie that I currently have in my rankings is Trevor Lawrence at 18. And then I have Justin Fields at 21. So I can't see him being above either of them uh, compared to the other rookie quarterbacks. I have Zach Wilson at 28. I don't have, uh, I don't have Trey Lance ranked. Uh, so, so overall, I don't have Mac Jones ranked either. I have Cam Newton at 29, which may be a little bit low, but I do think Mac Jones will take over sooner rather than later. Uh, I can see him falling maybe, in the range of Jared Goff, Ben Roethlisberger type area. Uh, I mean, probably higher than Jared Goff, Ben Roethlisberger. I know he's lost a step, but he still has all those weapons at his disposal. The big thing here with Jordan Love is the is is Devontae Adams and where you move Devontae Adams more so than Love, because who cares about Jordan Love if we're going to be honest for fantasy football as of right now? Unless I take him as a high upside backup, I would have him above all the rookies this year because it's it's seriously it's a big the fact that he had one year to sit and to learn at the NFL level. That's that's pretty big. You learn behind Aaron Rodgers. I'd probably have him at 17, one spot above Baker Mayfield. Uh, I mean, I, I'm going to be honest. I can't envision myself taking him above Sam Darnold. I think Sam Darnold, the the weapons at his disposal and talk about experience, the amount of experience, the youth that Sam Darnold has. I don't know how old Jordan Love is, but Sam Darnold's, uh, at least from what I can remember, like the youngest quarterback in the league with the most experience in the league. And he's going to that new offense and he has all those, like I said, weapons with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, the reuniting there. 
Uh, I can't see myself taking Jordan Love above Sam Darnold with that potential that we have there. But with, with Devontae Adams, this is this is the big key right here. Where do you take Devontae Adams after this news? Is he still – He's. I don't think he's a first-round pick. I, I don't know where I'd have him in my rankings. Probably I, – I can't imagine taking him out of my top ten. His. T- I think he is a top three wide receiver just in the league. You can't take uh, him out of your top ten. I, no, I would probably put him at six. I'd probably put him below – or no, five, five. I'd probably put him below Diggs, Hopkins, and Hale, definitely. And I'd put him below Ridley. I think I'd still have him at five there just because Devontae Adams is still so talented. And Jordan Love, I don't hate Jordan Love for the season. I really don't. I think Jordan Love, if he steps in, would have a pretty good season. Yeah, I, I don't think I, I don't think I would take Adams outside my top five. I think I'd still have him above Ridley. Uh, nothing to do with the surgery that he's getting. No, you wouldn't. Not I, I I'm telling you I don't think the foot injury for Ridley is a big deal. I would no, it's not. I, as I was saying, I don't think that's going to impact. That's yeah. not impacting my decision at all. I, Devontae Adams is a better wide receiver than Calvin Ridley. As one of Calvin Ridley's biggest fans, I still think that Devontae Adams, when given the ball, will do amazing stuff with it. And if Jordan Love, especially when you look at that offense, like who who is going to step in there and and still be trustworthy? Robert Tanyan, maybe. Maybe he's having a big offseason. He's having a big camp. I know. I saw. I did see that. Uh, but I, I still. I can't. I can't move Adams out of my top five. I can't do it. Yeah. I think I, I'd move him below Ridley personally. I, I think I'd probably move him below. I mean, Amari Cooper. He's way too high for me, so that's not even a legitimate one. But I'd probably move him below Keenan Allen. I think I'd move him below D Hop, Tyreek, Stefan. I, I. That's tougher for me. I still think he's. Probably Would you have him above or below AJ Brown? That that's see that's the one where I'm right at and I'm not 100 percent sure at this point with Julio there I'd probably have him above AJ Brown. Yeah, I would agree. I would and and that's where AJ Brown's at six for me. Um, I that would put or yes that would put him at five right there. One spot above AJ Brown is where I'd have him, which is like significantly lower than where he is right now as the consensus number one. I mean, we, I, I don't think he's going to have those three 40-point bombs like he did with Rodgers last year. And I think the biggest thing that will come down to is that I probably won't even draft Devontae Adams in that case anyway. Like, I'll yep. have him in my rankings at that spot. But at that point, if I'm drafting, be gone. I'm, I'm taking a running back. No, I think uh, I'm probably taking a running back. I'm, I'm going to take, you know, a, we've seen Aaron Jones might fall a little bit if Jordan Love is starting. And if that's the case, and you can start running back, running back with Aaron Jones somewhere in the middle of the second round, and Devontae Adams is still there, you're going to take Aaron Jones every single time. Uh, If Travis Kelsey is falling for some reason because he still has that ADP outside of the top 12, I'm going to take Travis Kelsey above Devontae Adams right now, 100%. Uh, I I can't see myself having that many shares of Devontae Adams regardless of his ADP, unless it's ridiculous where he's going in the third round or something like that. I can't see myself having many shares of Devontae Adams next year. Adams had 18 touchdowns last year. He led the league in receiving touchdowns. 18 touchdowns. That's like an insane number. That's not going to happen if Aaron Rodgers isn't there, right? That offense isn't moving the ball the same direction. Unless Jordan loves like the next coming of Aaron Rodgers, and it's a similar situation to Farvin Rodgers, which I don't think that's going to happen, especially not in year one, then Devontae Adams is probably dropping half those touchdowns at this point for next year, and you're looking more of a nine-touchdown receiver who had about 1,000 yards. That's not... That's not putting him top, top tier anymore. That's we got to move on. We got to move on. I love talking about the Packers. Uh, there's there's a lot to talk about there, but we have to move on. I still have three things I want to touch on. Shane, you're going to absolutely love this one. Shane's going to love two of them for sure. LaVisca Chenault is an absolute stud in training camp so far. Every report coming out over these first two days is that LaVisca Chenault 
looks like the best receiver there. Shane, I mean, have you started, like, I don't know if you've moved him up in your rankings yet, but are you like, like shaking? Are you like jittery with excitement, moving your hands towards the keyboard, like that, that up button and like just hovering over it, ready to hit at any time? I haven't moved him outside of my top 35 at wide receiver. And in Yahoo's, he's outside of their top 55, which is uh, ridiculous. He goes in like round 14 right now, which is significantly below DJ Chark. And while I think DJ Chark could have a big season, potentially, I know Urban Meyer kind of called him out and said that he was a big man playing small last year and thinks that he has the potential to have a Michael Thomas-esque year with Trevor Lawrence in his first season. The value that you're getting by not drafting Chark and maybe taking a running back there, maybe take, uh, well, I guess he goes a little bit higher than A.J. Dillon. I was going to say you can just grab an A.J. Dillon or, or some running back in that Kareem spot. Hunt. Kareem Hunt, if he's going at that high as, as D.J. Chark. And save it for Chenault. I mean, one of the big things about Chenault is he, he's, he is a Swiss Army knife. Uh, and, and the only reason that I initially moved him down a little bit, I had him inside my top 28 for quite a while. And then they drafted Etienne. And uh, that that hurt a little bit, especially hearing that they were going to play him at wide receiver. And I kind of wanted that to be the Chenault role uh, where he was going to be moved around the field. But then you got to remember, Chenault was one of the most underrated rookies in general last season. I mean, he led all rookie wide receivers in contested catches. He had 13 of those last season. Uh, He was second among all rookie wide receivers in broken tackles with, I think, 16 or 17. He was a beast. And And that number... I want to point out that number is, is huge to me because LaVisca Chenault runs like a running back. But the reason that I didn't love him going into the draft is because I thought his contact balance was nowhere near as good as it should be. The fact that he's breaking tackles like that means that contact balance has gotten significantly better, which is huge. Like that is abs. I cannot stress how huge that is for LaVisca Chenault. Like that means that he not only runs like a running back, but breaks tackles like a running back and he's a wide receiver. Like that's like, if Cordero Patterson was actually good, like that's what Cordero Patterson should be, right? LaVisca Chenault might be what Cordero Patterson should have been. I still think Cordero Patterson's good at his job. I, I think sure, that he got, sure, he, but he, but he was drafted right? in like way high in the first round because he was supposed to be like a wide receiver who runs like a running back, like like exactly what LaVisca Chenault did, which is like super rare. The problem with Chenault now is going to be the the hype train has not only left the station, but it's already on its way to the moon. And I think by the time we get to draft day, uh, he's not going to be going in round <laughs> 14 or 13. He's going to be going inside the top 10 rounds, which I'm still not mad at uh, because I still have him inside my top 10 rounds right now. That's what's the I highest you've taken? What, what's the highest you've taken? Assuming oh, this man. this stuff, that this hype, like Chenault looks good through preseason two, all that stuff, he looks really good. And on the depth chart, he's, you know, what, their their number two or three or something, and, and he looks good through all that. What's the highest you take him? I mean, in my overall rankings right now, I have him at 80. So I know that's definitely higher than where you guys have him. The highest I would take him, I don't really feel comfortable taking him above some of these running backs that I really like, like Zach Moss. Uh, I still have, uh, who else do I have above him in my running back rankings? I guess not too many. Uh, I've kind of shifted things around again, but like Darnell Mooney, I'm still very comfortable getting later on. If I miss out on Chenault, if he does go up that high Tyler Boyd, I'm still comfortable with if, if need be, if I miss out on Chenault, but I I think he's legit. And I think Gabriel Davis, Gabriel Davis, Michael Pittman. I think if you can get Chenault, as your third, I'm going to try to get him as my fourth wide receiver. 
fantastic. Fantastic. You can put him in your flex every single week and not have to worry about it. I think he's going to get you at least 10 points a week. I really do. In the but in the 14th time. round, you could get him as your fifth wide receiver, Shane. Sixth wide receiver, maybe, yep. depending yep. how you do the draft. Yep, absolutely. No, that's – I mean, look, it, it's good for LaVisca Chenault, and, and you're right. He's absolutely going to the moon. Let's move on now to the second-to-last headline that I want to talk about. Cam Akers, another guy you absolutely love, Shane. You loved him last year at the end of the season, and, and it worked out pretty well for you. Sean McVay came out and said there are no limitations on Cam Akers. He's a full go, and we're going to run him into the ground. No, he didn't quite say run him into the ground, but – they said that Cam Akers is, is essentially, I mean, in, in just as many words, he said Cam Akers is going to be used a lot. Jack, I'll start this one with you. What Does that affect where you have Cam Akers, or is that kind of what you were expecting anyways? It's kind of what I was expecting, but I do like to hear that, knowing that Henderson's still there and there's the potential that it could be a committee because we've seen that from the Rams in the past. But I, I think we're seeing more clearly that Akers is definitely the number one. I had him at 27 overall for the longest of times I could bump him up there. I mean, he's a, for me, he's a high end third, low end second rounder. I think he's probably in the solid second round right now for, for draft picks. He could even, he could, it's pretty easily, I think is where he's at. I mean, hypothetically, there's going to be people that bump him up to the first. I'm not there yet, but I think solid second round. I'm loving that right now for Cam Akers. Cause I, he's going to be the number one back, which is, which is nice to see. Cam Akers is right now a, a mid to early mid second round pick. So if you want to try and get him at the beginning of the third, Jack, you're going to be pretty It's not going to happen. At this point, it's not going to happen. No, no it won't. Shane, I, I mean, I, I'll, I'll ask you the same thing, but I know you love you some Cam Akers. Uh, I know you guys probably haven't forgotten, but Todd Gurley was a running back under oh, Sean Who? Bay. Who? Oh, Todd He's a free agent now. He's kind of like a, a – Oh, that's – uh, name's uh, not ringing a bell. Sorry. Yeah. 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 So unfortunate 2017, 2018, two consecutive seasons. He ended up in PPR as the overall RB one. Now the difference between Gurley then and acres now, and I don't know if you can clarify this Lucas is cam acres, a prolific pass catcher in any sense. No, I mean, he can catch the ball some, but, but it's not to the level of Tom, uh, of Todd Gurley. Like he, he's not Tom the Brady. level. Yeah. Tom yeah, Brady. Tom Brady. Well, have you seen Tom Brady try and catch the ball? You, you remember <laughs> that trick play from the playoffs uh, Brutal. Uh, years ago? <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, he's, he's not nearly as prolific of a pass catcher as Todd Gurley. Um, that being said, like Kim makers can catch the ball, you know, but it's, it's not like you're going to see him run a, a whole bunch of routes. What I need from Cam Akers is three to four receptions a game. That's it. Todd Gurley in his big seasons averaged around 65, 66 receptions overall in the season uh, and finished as the RB one in that offense. And I think, you know, Jared Goff had his time in the sun uh, and I think he's faded off a little bit, kind of dulled off, but Matthew Stafford is, is reigniting that offense into something totally different and totally what we want to see for fantasy purposes. And I truly believe I move. I know we're big Lucas, you, especially you've been tweeting about Antonio Gibson. And I am a little bit concerned about the turf toe issue because stuff like that can linger. Uh, You know, I know he's making the cuts. I know he's doing everything right. And I know that they're saying that he looks good right now. Uh, But you know, it's going to be one of those situations where he could be sitting at practice every single week. You get concerned. He might miss a game or two here and there and worse comes to worse. He might be out the entire season if he has to get surgery. Uh, but I still have him at RB12, but I have Cam Akers right now at RB11. I love him in the spot that he's going in as is my second round pick, uh, especially in that Sean McVay offense that, you know, if he gives a full workload to Cam Akers, I know this is all coach speak right now, and sometimes you want to fade that noise, 
but if Cam Akers is going to be that guy in that offense, I love it. I want him. Uh, I want him as much as possible. Yeah, look, I, I really like Cam Akers too. I also have Cam Akers at RB11, just Antonio Gibson at RB10. Those guys are absolutely in a similar tier. Um, Cam Akers, I mean, it's it's reassuring. I agree with you, Jack. This is exactly what I expected when I was making my rankings. But it is nice to hear. It's nice to hear Sean McVay talk that way, especially since we've seen what he can do with running backs in the past. That guy, Todd Gurley, I think you said his name was Shane. I, I've heard, you know, good things. I think I remember, you know, a, a distant memory. No, of course I know who Todd say. Gurley is. Exactly. I've had him on a team. I've had him on a team. I drafted him the year before that 2017 year. I drafted him, Melvin Gordon, and Kareem Hunt on that team. Safe to say I, I, I won the championship in that league. Um, but I, I love Todd Gurley. He's Or I loved Todd Gurley. Thus, I love Cam Akers. I love Sean McVay saying that. That's good stuff. And finally, we've got one more running back to touch on, J.K. Dobbins being more integrated into the pass game. Some of those videos that I'm seeing on Twitter of him catching balls with one hand looks pretty freaking insane. So I don't know. J.K. Dobbins is a pass catcher. He's my RB18 right now. Where do you guys currently have him? And is that someone who might be moving up in your rankings, even though Gus Edwards just signed a two-year $10 million contract, which is not nothing? Yeah, I have J.K. Dobbins evaluated as a fourth round pick right now. If you if the running back run goes early, I could see him as a third round pick. I don't think I'm going much higher than that. I think he's a solid RB2. Shane, you posed this question, I think, on our Twitter the other day. Is is J.K. Dobbins, are you comfortable having him as the RB1? I mean, if you have two stud receivers, maybe. But realistically, I like his value a lot more as your RB2. I think he's the guy, if that receiving floor is there, and that rushing floor is there, which it should be. He had 134 carries last year for 800 yards. He should get up to about 150 to 175 carries at least this year with Mark Ingram out of the picture and Gus Edwards still there. So there's give and take here. I think the receiving floor is going to help. I just don't think I can trust him as my wide receiver one just yet, which is why I think he's a solid, solid third or fourth round pick. I, I can't trust him as there's too many good running backs ahead of him right now, but right now I'm liking what I'm hearing. If that receiving floor is there, we saw it not there last year. He only had 18 receptions last year. If that jumps up to 50, that's, that's a really nice floor to have for JK Dobbins. I'll bust out the stats real quick. One of the things that I hit on our Twitter account was looking at these splits from the beginning of the season to the, to the end of the season for JK Dobbins. And from weeks 11 through 17, he scored seven rushing touchdowns. I think he had a full on streak through scoring one every single game. He averaged 16.9 fantasy points per game in PPR and averaged 13 and a half touches per game. The main concern with him was, was the, uh, the other rushers in that offense being Gus Edwards and Lamar Jackson. Who I know they Mark keep... Ingram at that time, but at, at, well, I think they were starting to uh, scratch Ingram for, for coach's decision. If I, if I remember that correctly, but uh, listen, their looming presence uh, definitely does scare me away a little bit. And his ADP right now is 28.3. So that's right in the middle of the third round. Not something that I'm totally high on. I, I think in most situations, I'd rather have Clyde Edwards Hilaire over J.K. Dobbins uh, right now. I mean, especially with the competition, uh, you know, Clyde, I know people like to talk about Clyde and say that his 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 value was inconsistent because of the carries. And you just have to remember that Le'Veon Bell got there quite early. And I don't think that wasn't that they couldn't trust Clyde. I think it's just because they had the opportunity to bring in Bell for nothing and just give him a shot, give him a run at the offense and, and give him some touches there. Uh, I think Clyde will will finish above J.K. Dobbins. I think Clyde has a better chance of finishing inside the top five for running backs over J.K. Dobbins. Right now, I have Clyde at 16 overall in my running back rankings, and I have Dobbins at 21. And Clyde's going about four to five picks later than him in that third round. 
So, and I, and one of the questions that I put out there on the Twitter was, would you rather have, would you rather take the gamble on JK Dobbins or the first year of Najee Harris? And with 118 votes, 77% of people said they'd rather have Najee Harris over JK Dobbins, which I don't think is very surprising to be honest. It's amount of touches. Absolutely. Look, JK Dobbins will be in a good situation, but, but let's, let's throw some numbers out there. If JK Dobbins gets 33% of the rush attempts, but 75% of the backfield pass catching duty, right? So he gets 75% of the receptions that go to that backfield. I mean, is, is that, does that affect that all your decision or, or is that honestly what you expect right now? I, I don't think that's what I expect. I expect him to get 75% of the rushing duties, honestly. Probably two-thirds of the rushing duties. That's what was happening at the end of last with, season. With Lamar Jackson and Gus Edwards, especially. Oh, I was, an, I, was not, I was not accounting for Lamar Jackson's rushing. I was, I was accounting for just I'm, the I'm running talking backs. Of their, I'm talking their three running backs, Jack. Yep. All of their running backs. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, I think with that, no, it, it really doesn't help that much because – the amount of touches out of the backfield that are going to be receiving touches with Lamar Jackson in that offense is just so low. I mean, Ingram had six catches last year. We mentioned how Dobbins was in the teens and Gus Edwards didn't have a whole lot of catches either. He, he was in, he barely hit double digits as well in terms of catches. He only had nine catches last year. So it's like, where, where are those catches going to come? Even if he gets 75% of the catches, he's still only getting 20 catches on the year and that's less than two points a game. So even if he's getting a bunch of catches and he's getting most of the catches, it's really not a significant amount of catches, if that makes sense. That was, oh, yeah. that was a weird way of putting that. But Look, I, that made total sense, and, and I agree with you. Um, J.K. Dobbins, I mean, he'll be a mid-tier RB2. I'll have him there. I'll still take Clyde above him. I'll still take Miles Gaskin above him. So yeah. if his ADP maintains a 28, I, I'm not going to touch it there. Before we wrap things up, did you guys see uh, – oh, geez, I dropped that. Adam Rank actually uh, answered back to the tweet that I, I posted to him. He was talking about uh, if he were to go no running backs in the early rounds, he would grab a tight end and a few wide receivers and then be fine with Kareem Hunt and then Gaskin in the sixth round. And I said, if you're taking Gaskin in the sixth round, I'd be happy to join any league that you are in and take everyone's money because I still have Gaskin as a fourth round pick, uh, a guy that I think could definitely finish inside the top 10 for running backs. And I got into whole disagreements with other people on that subject. I guess most of these guys were thinking dynasty, even though I thought the conversation was focused on redraft. But uh, I know Adam Rank came back and said that he'd be fine taking him in the fifth round. Still, I think that's a little bit too low for Gaskin. I'd be fine taking him in the fourth. I think that's the perfect spot for him. I There's think no competition there. I take it. I, I'm comfortable. I'm completely comfortable taking him in the third. Like zero. I would take him in the third over J.K. Dobbins. I take him oh, in the yeah. third even over Clyde. Though that one's really close. I like them both a lot. But all right, guys. I have, I have Gaskin one spot below Clyde. Okay. Okay. I mean, still, like they're right next to each other, and that's gonna do it for us here at the Fantasy Football Laboratory. Thank you guys so much for sticking with us. Jack, Shane, love having you guys on. As always, Shane, I'm happy to be the host whenever you want me to be the host, but let's see if I can get this outro right. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at FF Laboratory. Check out our website, fflaboratory.com. Have a great day, guys.